friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is Prince Nestor sitting in for Sunny Young in Washington. Thank goodness it's Friday, but most importantly, welcome to March 18th edition of the sunny side of sports. As we celebrate Women's Month, today we'll profile Sheila Moriwe Buyungo from Uganda. Sheila is Uganda's first ever woman to coach a male national volleyball team in Africa. She's also a former national team player and relishes her role as the Uganda Volleyball Cranes coach, having recently guided the team to finish fifth at the African Championships in Chigali, Rwanda. Reporter Mugume Davis Wakirinji has moved from Kampala, Uganda. Spotty Friday greetings, Mugume. Spotty Friday greetings to two Prince Nesta and our listeners. Okay, come on, Uganda National Volleyball Team, the Cranes coach, Shira Omoriwa Buyungo, stands at the center of both Kampala City Council Authority Volleyball Training Ground for both males and female teams. She may have a soft mother voice, but instructions sink so deep in the minds of players, males and females. One of the players here is Varun Anyu, a receiver attacker. Varun says she has developed so much since she started training under Coach Sheila Buyungo. You have to learn very many positions. You don't have to be specific in one position. So... I've learned to receive, to attack, to move. Very many things I've learned from her. She's more than a coach. She's a mother. She's a sister. She's a friend. She's a person you can lean on in time of need. Even in times of problems, she's a person you can run to and she'll be there for you. For her, every game you play, you have to analyze how has the other team beaten you? How have you beaten? What are the things that has made you beat the other team? You have to come back and analyze all those things that you prepare for the next game. And every training session you have to prepare better for the next opening. You go hard for the next game. Sheila Buyungo made history in Ugandan sports last year after she was appointed the first female to manage the Ugandan national volleyball men team, the Cranes. And her first task was to guide the volleyball Cranes at Africa Volleyball Championships in Kigali, Rwanda, where Uganda was to play Africa volleyball greats like Tunisia, Egypt and Cameroon. National team call was, 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 was during covid so imagine volleyball was out for two years. And then the federation says, ah, they've opened up, we're going to play. Now you're, 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 you're planning to play a qualifier of people who have been, against people who have been training, people who have actually played in, uh, in the Olympics. So for them, they've been in season. So that's what came to my mind when the technical director, Tony Lakoni, called me and told me, um, decided to, you're going to coach the men's team. I was being informed. The way he asked me, I was being informed. I was not being asked. She did not disappoint as she helped Uganda clinch the fifth position after beating host Rwanda in a highly contested match. But how did it start? Sheila used to volunteer to coach females playing amateur volleyball upon her return from the U.S. where she had also engaged in volleyball activities as a player and as a coach. It is then that males at local club, Kampara Amateur Volleyball Club, KVC, invited her to help them hone their skills. 
I thought it was one of those things, again, where it's our joke. Um, so they told me, but we're serious, you come and coach us. So I told them, okay, I can do that only if you follow my rules. They're like, rules? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and at that point when I said it, I guess also me, I didn't really think, you know, it was going to be like, hey, come and coach us, like seriously. So I accepted. And the first thing I did, of course, was share my rules. I actually went back home and sat down and drew up the rules. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I saw that folder recently in my drive and I laughed. Wow. So I drew up what I call the Sheila rules. <laughs> wow. Basic things. These include time management, respect and commitment. One of the male players here, Onisima Simumuza, says he's enjoying playing under Sheila Buyungo's instructions. We face sad challenges as players, yeah, but mothers, you say mothers, they are the soft creatures, I would say, on this planet. The main coaches, they are somehow tough, you know, but she's like, no, calm down. Eh? I'm not that tough. I'm not the tough coach you would see. I've enjoyed being around her as a mom. You know, even if you go in homes, dads are the most feared people. So if I would say to men who are coaches, you will be considered to see that. KCCA volleyball assistant coach Alex Mugoda says he too is learning from Sheila's time at the club. There are some things I like from her and the, the principles. She's this woman who is principled. If she says something, it means that. If she says I want this, that's what she wants. And the other thing I want with her is time management. Myself, I've been a coach for some good time. I've trained teams, I've coached teams. But time management somewhere, somewhere defeats me. But for the time I'm working with her, again, I'm learning more to be a time manager than her because of that thing that she puts in me. Shira says it's not an easy task coaching males as a woman. But she says she sets guiding principles for herself and the players. No, it's okay. For the sunny side of sports, I am Gume, Davis Rakarinjini Kampala, Uganda. Thanks, Mugume. I'm Prince Nesta, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, listeners. My name is Sheila Omre Buyungo, uh, KCCA Volleyball Club head coach and national team uh, head coach for the Uganda Volleyball Cranes men. Listen to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. The former captain of Nigeria's national men's basketball team, Olumide Eyedeji, said the Sahara Conference of the Men's Basketball African League produced lots of surprises in the BL second season. Six teams competed in the Sahara Conference, which wrapped up playing Dakar Senegal on March 15th. Oyedeji, a former NBA star, was in Dakar for the Sahara Conference action, and he spoke with reporter Mike Mbonye about the conference play. Uh, but I mean, I mean they, the conference was great, and uh, there were a few surprises that nobody really believed that they're going to be uh, where they are, like Ehe Sally. So, I mean, it was, well, I mean, nobody actually really believed they were going to play the way they play after they lost the first game. They came back and they won a couple of games. They're just like uh, the same team in the Rwandan, the Rwandan team that kind of uh, just be like a new team in the BL uh, compared to Patriots that were, they were represented last year. So, it was really good and a few surprises. And the Guinea also put up uh, a surprise as well. So, it was, I mean, it was a good one. All right. Apart from U.S. Monasty, who are the other three teams that qualified? I understand that for each conference, four teams will qualify. 
So I know of a U.S. monastery of Tunisia. Which are the other three teams that made it? Um, I believe a team from Guinea qualified. The team from uh, uh, Rwanda qualified as well. The team from... Uh, uh, we have Rwanda, they have uh, Guinea, and they have ASL of Morocco. In some of the games played, Nigerian players in uh, the the Sahara Conference now, his name is Uzeako, he had 19 points and 8 rebounds, and uh, Obekba, 13 points, 12 rebounds. They were two key players of uh, Slack of Guinea, and they did very well. Also, Ferroviaro de Beira of Mozambique had a young Nigerian, Chinyalo, and he also did very well. What's your take on the performances of these young Nigerians that played for other uh, teams at the Sahara Conference? Uh, I mean, Okeba actually played for Nigeria in one of the World Cup qualifiers. And uh, Prince also played for Nigeria at the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. So, uh, and uh, we have a lot of young Nigerians there, Chinilu, Ruben, who's an NBA Academy player, and also who play really well. And uh, for little time, he has. And also, we have Joy, who also play for the team in Rwanda. So, they play really well, came up with the energy. So, that means like um, the, the future of Nigerian basketball continue to bright to, to be shining and brighter. So, because we have the talent, we have the ability, and uh, we just hopefully we continue to enhance all this talent and uh, just make it better. The Nile Conference of the Ball Season 2 is scheduled to tip off in April. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, it's going to be a very interesting, a very exciting team because there's a lot of there are, there are good teams over there. Talking a team from Angola, uh, talking about uh, talking about Zamalek, who are actually champion, and Zamalek also playing in Egypt. That means it's going to be a home loaded, crowded team with all noises and stuff like that. So, and the South Sudan uh, team, uh, they are not going to be a pushover because they've been really having a great uh, a great year for the past two or three years since uh, um, they have a new president Luo Deng so it's going to be very exciting and I don't uh, I can't really see anybody as a pushover in that group there was Lumide Eyedeji the former captain of Nigeria's national men's basketball team speaking with Iron Mike Mbonye in Lagos, Nigeria by phone Prince Nestor, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Nigerian striker Patrick Iwobi scored a dramatic last-minute win as Everton clinched a crucial 1-0 victory against Newcastle United at Goodison Park. The 25-year-old finished off an assist from English striker Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the 99th minute, the second latest winning goal in the competition since the 2006-2007 season. Manchester United playmaker Bruno Fernandes currently holds the record for the winning strike, a feat he achieved when he scored against Brighton and Hoval Beyond in September 2020. The victory ended the Toffees' four-game losing streak in the Premier League. Everton, who are currently 17th in the table with 25 points, have two games in hand and will next play against Crystal Palace on Sunday at Silhurst Park in an FA Cup clash.
The Nigerian international reflected on his top eight time winner. I felt like I played Dom a bit early, but I thought, let me continue my run, and he's played me back. And I just thought, let me stay composed and hit the target, slow past the keeper, and I was able to do that on my weaker foot, so it was good. It feels great, obviously, the feeling's amazing, but hopefully we can get more of this feeling. Iwobi's manager, Frank Lampard, also shared his thoughts on the match. It was such an intense game, and... Um, what it means to the club tonight, it's only three points, of course it is, but we know how precious they are at the moment. But the, the nature of it, the spirit of it, the desire of the whole stadium was a really special evening. Newcastle have obviously feel like they've moved themselves out of it a little bit, but they're still within range and they'll still want more points. But for us, um, I never thought this would be a beautiful game tonight. It wasn't one that I was going to overanalyze in a, in a technical or tactical sense. There were things about our game I wasn't so mad on. But the one thing that will be the base of us staying in this league will be the spirit of this club and the togetherness. And while did the players show that, did the stadium show that, the fans... And there's been a lot said about the fans and the players this week. Um, the fans were amazing from the first minute. They pulled us through. Um, and the players go through them all. They were amazing the way they played. Newcastle United boss Eddie Howe expressed frustrations of a hit side's defeat. Very disappointing uh, second half, I think, from us. I thought first half we were very good, but with a better team. We never really came out the traps. I don't know. I don't know why that second half was just lacking in a little bit of quality, really, from our, our perspective. Um, and even with 10 men, you know, we didn't really uh, show the dominance I would expect with the extra man. And um, although I don't think we deserve to lose the game, I certainly think from that perspective it was our game to win and uh, we didn't grab that opportunity. It was um, incredibly scrappy, I think, probably what was at stake. Um, the atmosphere... Um, the conditions to a degree um, it just contributed to a game as you say it was stop start obviously the incident at the beginning of the second half probably didn't help both teams uh, lacking in goal mouth action really from again from both teams no major or massive clear cut chances um, so yeah it was a difficult game to sustain pressure in Ben's Newcastle manager Eddie Howe sharing his thoughts after his side's defeat to 10-man Everton at St. James's Park Gabon talisman Pierre-Emerick Obama netted his seventh goal in 10 games to help Barcelona book a place in the Europa League quarterfinals after seeing off Galatasaray in Istanbul. Spanish midfielder Pedri equalized for the Blaugrana before the ex-Gunners Dangerman slotted home a 49th minute winner to complete the comeback win. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. The World Health Organization and U.S. Centers for Disease Control say coughing and sneezing can spread COVID-19. Physical distancing, staying at least one meter away from people outside your family, can protect everyone. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Prince Nessa, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. In other fixtures, French defender of Malian descent Wesley Fofana scored on his return from injury to help Leicester City cruise past Rene to reach the Europa Conference League quarterfinals. The Foxes sealed a 3-2 aggregate win to move into the last eight of a European competition for only the second time in their history after losing to Atletico Madrid in the 2017 Champions League quarterfinals. 
Leicester manager Brendan Rodgers shared his thoughts on the match. I think over the two legs, I think if you beat Wren and, and qualify, then you know it's um, there's a lot of it's been really good. Uh, I didn't think. I think with the ball, we we're really, really poor. If I'm honest, I thought that a football in the game, especially in the first half, was nowhere near what I would expect. But what we did show tonight was a real character and. Uh, and games like that, especially with lots of players missing and lots of young players tasting this level for the first time, a lot of it, it's, um, it's character building for them. So, um, but no, we had to show resilience. You can see they're a good side round. You've seen over the two legs. Uh, so to get through in the end uh, was, uh, was obviously a fantastic feeling. Ukrainian international Andrei Yamolenko also scored an extra time winner to send West Ham into the last eight of the European Conference League, a feat the last achieved in 1981. The Hammers secured a 2-0 win against Spanish giant Sevilla, a team that has won four out of the last eight tournaments. West Ham boss David Moyes praised his side. This is a great achievement for all the players, especially beating a, a serial winner of this competition in Seville tonight so I think that made it a little bit more special they just keep going and we have to keep grinding them out but you can see the resilience and the toughness in them and uh, they're great lads and we keep them going and I've got to say they've been, they've been incredible we, we, we know we're a, a little bit undercooked as far as squad goes and, and a bit short of players but the ones who play don't let you down they, they keep producing performances that's West Ham boss David Moyes speaking following his side's Europa League last 16 victory against favourite Sevilla. In other news, they draw for the quarterfinals and semi-finals of the 2021-2022 UEFA Champions League has been made and features quite some intriguing matchups. Defending champions Chelsea will play against 13-time winners Real Madrid, with the winner of that fixture facing the winner of Manchester City versus Atletico Madrid in the semi-finals. Meanwhile, 2020 champions Bayern Munich will play against Villarreal with the winner on course to face the winner of the match between Benfica and Liverpool in the other semi-finals. VOA's Our Voices television program is about more than just sitting and talking about women's issues. It's about listening to them and bringing their opinions to the table and making sure that their voices are heard. Because our lived experiences, our stories, and our voices will help shape the next generation. Check your local TV listings and join the conversation each week with our voices on VOA. Prince Nestor, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. I spoke with Kenyan sports journalist National Wano about the current state of football in the East African nation after it was suspended by FIFA a few weeks back for government interference. What led to Kenya's FIFA suspension? The FIFA suspension that was uh, announced by FIFA on the 24th of February um, was necessitated by the fact that the government had disbanded the Football Kenya Federation, which was the governing football body here in Kenya, and instead had instituted a caretaker committee that was the one that was supposed to be now overseeing football in the country. Just to take you a bit back, just before uh, the government disbanded the Football Kenya Federation, there were calls from the government or there was the arrest of the president 
of the Football Kenya Federation, that is Nick Mwendwa, on corruption allegations, uh, of which later on he was released and the case was dismissed. So at the backdrop of all that is what led to the disbandment of the Football Kenya Federation. This is not the first time that Kenya is actually suspended by FIFA. Such things have happened in the year 2004 when Kenya was suspended by FIFA, 2006 Kenya was suspended by FIFA, and now 2022 Kenya has been suspended by FIFA. In your opinion, how is this affecting the growth of football in Kenya? This recent ban by FIFA is uh, going to affect or it has already started affecting football in the country. You know, Kenya actively participates in the CAF Champions League and also participate in, participates in the CAF Confederations Cup. So at, as it is right now, the clubs which are going to qualify to go into the CAF Champions League and the CAF Confederations Cup are not going to be participating in that, uh, in those two particular activities. Apart uh, um, from that, a couple of weeks ago, that is the Harambe Starlets, were supposed to be playing the Crested Cranes of Uganda um, in a, in a, in a, in a two-legged tyre. The first tyre was supposed to be played on February 17th, and then the return leg was supposed to be played on February 22nd. Because of all this fiasco of uh, the government and uh, FIFA, the disbanded CEO of the Football Kenya Federation, that is uh, Barry Otieno, wrote a letter to CAF um, saying that uh, the Football Kenya Federation was not in a position to hold the match that was supposed to be on February 17th. And uh, in a way, if you're looking at it, it makes sense because at, at the onset of all this drama between the government and the Football Kenya Federation, um, the government body was locked out of their office, which is Kandanda House. So basically means that even if this particular match was going to be taking place, the, the then, because that is the Football Kenya Federation, that they're the ones that are recognized by FIFA, not have been able, you know, to hold this particular match. But then on the flip side as well, you have to look at a at the situation where, as of the time that this particular match was going to be played, they're already out of office and caretaker committee appointed uh, by the government. So we're already seeing the ladies national team, that is the Harambe Starlets, being the first casualties of all this drama. Apart from that, some of the ways that Kenya might actually suffer a lot from this whole thing is basically means, you know, we consider ourselves the hotbed of uh, talents. In East Africa, we've seen um, decorated players playing in leagues across the world. We, one we have is uh, Victor Wanyama, you know, who played in the English Premier League. I also had the likes of McDonald Mariga. So with all this FIFA ban, it basically means that uh, talented play players uh, from Kenya cannot get the opportunity um, to move to other leagues across the world. And that, then we know the ripple effect of that, Nesta, is talent is basically going to go to waste. Kenya has bounced back from this before. It's not the first time, as I've mentioned, that Kenya has previously been suspended. Just give listeners right now, you know, a clue of how Kenya has bounced back from previous FIFA bans. Yeah, let me 
Can you talk about the most recent ban um, that took place in November 2016? It was a three-month ban that is from November 2016 to the 9th of March 2007. Uh, the way that they handled all this issue is they had a meeting with officials from FIFA. Out of that particular meeting with FIFA, they were to come with a way forward, you, you know, uh, to handling the whole issue. Some of the recommendations that were given um, at that particular time was the reduction of the teams that were playing in uh, the league at the time. So the, the key way out of all this situation has always been um, FIFA has a conversation with the government and they find a way forward. The most common one has always been the formation of normalization committees that will constitute members from the government and from FIFA so that they find a solution to this. But as it is with the current situation um, and at the, at the beginning of all this issue, was FIFA had sent a recommendation to the government saying that they're supposed to re reinstate the disbanded FKF, but the government was like, no. They had a hard line and like, we're not going to reinstate a FIFA. So FIFA is like, if you're not going to reinstate then we are going to ban you. So none of them wants to see eye to eye. So it's really hard to tell which way this whole issue is going to be taken forward because um, as far as some of the reasons that probably led to the disbandment of the committee of the of the of the of the Football Kenya Federation was on corruption allegations. So the government side still reinstates that there's money that was lost, uh, money that was disbursed to the Football Kenya Federation that has been lost, and it wants something done about it. But then FIFA is like there is probably a better way to handle the whole issue. So with regards to this particular latest ban by FIFA, it's going to take a while before we clearly have the clear on what is going to be done to solve the whole issue. Interesting. And you know, when um, two bulls are fighting, basically it's the grass that suffers the most. And in this case, I'm talking about um, Kenyan football fans. At the same time, I'm also talking about the players who are key stakeholders as far as, you know, Kenyan football is concerned. And my question is basically, how is the mood like? Uh, how have people reacted to this? How have players reacted to this situation? There's a lot of um, mixed reaction over this issue yeah, because it's it's quite confusing because from football lovers in the country, you'll expect them to say, oh, we do not support this ban. But there are people who are saying that this ban was necessary so that the football scene in Kenya is put back in order. Lastly, in your opinion, what next for Kenyan football? Mm -hmm. What's next for Kenyan football? I think we should take this ban as an opportunity for us to reflect on how we want the football scene to be. Um, if you are doing a comparison of some of the local run leagues, especially in the country. Some of them are doing well because they are well organized. And uh, the conversation that has always been here in the country, in Kenya, is football um, scene has not been so organized. So I feel like when we have this done during the time of this ban, I think it's time for us to reflect and put our house in order so that when the ban is eventually lifted, because as a football lover and a sports journalist, I personally believe that it's going to be lifted at one point or another. So that by the time it's lifted, we've at least had time to reflect and we have our, our house in order so that um, we can compensate that for the lost time during this whole time of the ban by FIFA. Thanks, Kenyan sports journalist National Ano sharing his thoughts on the state of football in the country. And he spoke with me from Nairobi, Kenya.
Legendary VOA Sports broadcaster Sunny Young was joined by the Malian big man, Sheikh Tione of the VOA's French to Africa service, and Rolton Boyson, the head coach of the BL's Captain Tigers team on the English Basketball African League podcast. Forty greetings to all our Basketball Africa League fans. My name is Sonny Young. Thank you for joining us for this special Voice of America Basketball Africa League podcast. We'll check uh, on the line this evening. Our special guest from Cape Town, South Africa is Relton Boyson, the head coach of the Cape Town Tigers basketball team. They'll tip off their debut Basketball Africa League appearance next month in Cairo, Egypt. Coach, thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks thanks for having me here, Sonny. Thanks for having me here. Coach B, uh, can you make some general comments about the quality of basketball that you saw in Dakar uh, during the Sahara Conference games? Uh, Sonny, I, I must confess... Um the quality of basketball is much, much higher than what it was in season one of the Basketball Africa League. Uh, much more competitive. Defensive is much more organized. So the Basketball Africa League is really kicking off uh, on a very high note um, in 2022. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a very, it was a very competitive coach, like you said it. Uh, my experience from watching last year, Sonny, it was way much better competitive-wise and uh, recruitment-wise and also more game and organization. And as we saw the president of uh, Basketball Africa League, Gallo Fal, stated, he said he see the improvement from talent-wise for every level that uh, this year took place in uh, uh, Senegal. Uh, I agree with him. Basketball-wise, I really think uh, it was uh, very, very enjoyable than that last year. In the English Basketball African League podcast wraps up the March 18th edition of the sunny side of sports. Sunny will be back to steer the sports aircraft on Monday. But from me, I do hope you have yourself a wonderful weekend. Thanks to Voice of America producer Nadia Taha. And thank you for tuning in. And Prince Nesta sitting in for Sunny Young in Washington. That's the sunny side of sports. I get it.